Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome to Believe in Everything Auburn. Your loyal hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell, here for you today to talk all things Auburn athletics. And I say here for you because we all need a little support after watching that Iron Bowl. And Jason and I are going to do what we always do. We are going to give you an honest and thorough recap, but of course, got to find the positives in it somewhere. That's what the Auburn family does. So we're going to do that as well. We'll look ahead to the Texas A&M game and talk about some different storylines around the SEC. Jason, let's catch up first of all. How was your Thanksgiving? I tell you what, Taylor, my Thanksgiving was awesome. I got a chance Good. to spend it with my parents, uh, my brother, his wife, and the, and the three two boys. The other oh. ones in college, and then my sister, and her husband, and my little nephew. So it's just immediate family. I didn't get a chance to see all my cousins and all the other loved ones uh, this time around. But everyone understands. Everyone's counted to their own immediate family this Thanksgiving. But I tell you what now. Woo, I chowed down. <laughs> I chowed down. I didn't know what day I supposed to stop eating Thanksgiving food. So I just stopped on Saturday <laughs> evening. I owe myself twice a day, two a day workouts. That's what I well. owe myself. But overall, I can't complain. Good. I'm glad. It's, it's that time of year, you know, we don't have to deprive ourselves of food right now. So you do what you do. I, uh, I had a great Thanksgiving as well. Quick turnaround. I had to leave uh, for work the next morning, but day of got to hang out with my family and our, our Thanksgiving is, we get a little competitive. We've got kickball <laughs> games and basketball games and we throw the football all day. So uh, that's the good thing about being from Alabama. The weather on Thanksgiving is usually pretty nice. It was like uh -huh. 70 and sunny. It was perfect. So definitely a great day and just a good reminder for everybody in the chaos of 2020 to take days like that and and really, you know, appreciate what you have and, and the blessings that the Lord's given all of us. And I, I certainly hope that you all out there had the opportunity to do that as well. But uh, I, I can't say I was thankful for the result of this year's Iron Ball, Jason. I really can't. Oh. So we're going to go ahead and get into this one as brutal as it's going to be. The Auburn Tigers unfortunately lost to the number one Alabama Crimson Tide, a whopping 42-13. to 13. Mm. I mean, look, we said on last week's episode, this is a very freaking good Alabama football team. And I don't think anyone would have questioned that 
if the score was closer or not. I, I said last week I, I didn't think Auburn was going to end up winning this game because I think uh-huh. this is this is a historic Alabama team. This is one that you I fully expect to see playing for a national title, and they've got all the pieces that they need, even though they lost one of their best in Jalen Waddle a few weeks uh-huh. ago. It, it, they just reload. They They don't even need all the pieces that they have. But – Uh, Mac Jones put on quite of a show. He was 18 of 26 for 302 yards and five touchdowns. He actually tied the Iron Bowl record with five touchdown passes in one game. Another storyline, of course, was that they were going to be without Coach Saban, who tested positive for COVID-19, so he was isolating from home. Steve Sarkeesian stepped into the head coach role. My opinion is that plenty of schools are going to be calling him for the head coach Uh positions that are continuing to open up. I think Alabama may see him say goodbye here shortly, but Really just an Alabama team that you got to give a lot of credit to. As much as we hate to do that as Auburn people, if you know football, you know that this is a stacked team. Najee Harris had 11 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. And it's just one of those things with this Alabama team. You can't focus on one aspect of their offense because then you get exposed in the other. They're too potent, whether they're going to run the ball or pass downfield. They've got everything you need. So uh, what stood out to you as far as our, I guess we'll start defensively, the way that our defense attempted to handle this Alabama attack? I'm going to agree with a lot of things that you said, a lot of things that you said. Everything you said was pretty much right on. Now, I'm going to be the advocate here. Auburn football team, some of the players on the team to me looked like they was entombed in the game. Mm -hmm. And the other half, almost like they was just, I had a uniform on, I'm just showing up. Yep. And the spread was 24 points. That's like a slap in the face. Yeah. This is one of the, this is the biggest rivalry game in all the college sports. And every year we always say you legitimately can throw out the records. It's true. You can throw out the records when these two teams play. And, okay, we come out, defense is fighting hard early on. You know, offense kind of sputtered a little bit. But then all of a sudden the floodgates came on. Like Alabama was just doing everything they wanted to do at will. And and I was just like, it almost looked like the Tennessee game a little bit when Tennessee would just pound the ball right at us and went straight down the field and, and said, stop it if you want to, and we didn't. And mm-hmm. Alabama did the same thing, and they was able to hit us on a double move. Uh, they caught Smoke Monday uh, looking up the dig route, and they were able to hit with a double pump, and we came back and did the same thing, and we ended up dropping the ball. And uh, those things in games like that just can't happen. Like, you've got to make those – automatic plays when they are there because the rest of the plays are so hard to make when you're playing against a really good football team and you're trying to upset them in their place like you got to be hitting on all cylinders but it starts to me though with your swag yeah I didn't see any swag I'm sorry Mm -hmm. I didn't see any from the start of the game and through the game I didn't see a whole lot of excitement I didn't see a whole lot of you know, this is the Iron Bowl. I'm trying to come knock you out type stuff. Like, I'm trying to get after you. And I'm not saying all of them didn't, but the majority of the team did not. And when this happens, you know, you look up as like, the score is just out of control late in the third quarter. Like, we didn't even got to the fourth quarter yet. And to me, like, that's just – it just shows some concern, you know, as a former player and as a – you know, and you went to school there and you know the meaning of the game. Like – 
it just didn't seem the same. And I understand that, yes, we're in 2020, and, yes, the whole crowd is not there. With the whole crowd not being there, you would think that would help us a little bit, um, yeah. you know, playing in their territory. But I just didn't I, – I was very disappointed uh, just because of the lack of emotions. Like, did I expect us to probably win the game? I always say you have a chance in this game. But, but I'm not dumb either. I, I can look over there and say, okay, this team is – they legitimate offensive line is an NFL prototype. Yep. Every player. I said their quarterback is very accurate. I was just like, if you can get to him and get him off his spot, he does has problems, but people don't get to him often. I said uh, they have probably the top receiver in the nation uh, in Smith. I like he showed you why he's so dynamic, catches the short pass. He turns a slant into a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have weapons all over the field. And then defensively, they, they play sound defense, but they have given us some plays in the passing game. But it's not like – it's almost like we look a little bit defeated before we even started a game. I, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. I think this, as far as the demeanor and um, kind of – sideline energy and kind of the intangibles that we talk about this was more reminiscent of the South Carolina game where it just didn't seem like this team came out with the fire that you need to have and of all games to not have it the Iron Bowl is arguably the biggest I I mean like it it was a completely different persona of a team than you expect to see and I don't necessarily know where exactly to pinpoint as far as you know being the foundation of that issue I don't know if you look to Gus Malzahn I don't know if you look to Bo Nix because I think his demeanor on the field is really problematic and it's contagious because he is looked to as the leader especially on the offensive side of the ball but there's not really anyone else stepping up into that leadership role either and so I think there's there's plenty of blame to go around when you're talking you know that aspect of it but as look, I've been a very tough critic on this Auburn team. You go back to previous episodes. I, I have not, you know, treaded lightly on how I feel about this team, but I do think that credit has to be given to your opponent. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're just the better team. And and that was the case this week. I mean, I think sometimes it's as simple as that. There were noticeable problems for this Auburn team that may have closed the score gap had they been fixed. But I think that's just it's just the better team. And I think that Alabama would have won this matchup, but the way in which Auburn lost this one is where everyone gets, it's even more defeating the way they're losing than just losing. All right. Games like this, it's not just because it's a tick in the loss column. It's mm-hmm. because it looks like a team that hasn't made any progress. Yeah, that's why you're exactly right. It's, um, like I said, you can lose games. Not every, You don't win every game, and you're exactly right. When you lose, there's a sense of respect when you do lose that make the other team be like, boy, we might have won, but I tell you what, they got our respect. Like they, can, right. like, they came to play. You know what I'm saying? But instead of just feeling like we just kind of showed up, all right, we fought for a little bit, but once we felt like the tide was turning, we just kind of said, okay, just have your way. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it, instead of just continuing to just fight and show that 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 urge. I'm not saying all players. I'm just saying some of them look that way and that some of them, you know, tried their best to play. But it takes yeah. a whole team effort when you're playing in games like this. It's just like last season when Alabama came to us as the top team. Mm-hmm. The whole team, when we won that game, there's two turnovers on the defense that was pick six, pick six, 14 points right there. 
And then on offense, we was moving the ball. We scored. We got an opportunity. Special teams was huge in the game. We caught them in a situation where they had too many men on the field, and we outsmarted them, and we won the game. And that was a total team win. But when you look at this game, it's like, dang, I know we're just a year apart. I know we lost some two monsters up front. I know. But at the same time, like, where's the energy? Like, where's the the effort? You know what I'm saying? Like, as a whole team. Like, you can't tell me that as a whole team, I expect Alabama to beat us by 24 points. No. Like, I would just say, no way. Like, it's just not happening. So, but I understand, like, Alabama's a great team. Like I said, I, we give credit where credit is due. I expect this team to be in a national championship game against mm-hmm. uh, probably Clemson, if I have to say. I think Clemson beats Notre yeah. Dame. But you find out a lot about your football team after you have a loss like that. And We said that after South Carolina. <laughs> I, Jay, I'm tired South- of, like, giving right? them ample time to, okay, we'll learn from this one. Okay, learn from this one. This team doesn't want to learn. At some point, you've got to sit down and say, let's look in the mirror and see what our identity is right now. Because I don't think any of these guys think that they're playing Auburn football right now. Mm-hmm. Just like last year, we went into Baton Rouge and gave LSU the toughest fight that their record-breaking team had all season. Yes, we lost, but we lost by three points. And that loss put us on a higher national stage this could have done that everyone knows Alabama is a standard this season they are playing lights out complete football if you go in there into Tuscaloosa and you get a loss but it is a hard-fought battle down to the end and you show all the improvements you've made this season there is so much more to be taken away from that this Mm -hmm. looks like the wheels fell off at a time in the season when we should be full steam ahead so I just don't know. You, you awoke the beast, Jason. I was trying right. so hard to remain calm. No, I don't want you. I, I, I know, but I just, I just, you know, I know you though, Taylor. I know you was ready to just, you know, fire off too, and uh, and you have every right to, like, as a as as a person that went to Auburn. You know what needs to happen, Jason? Somebody on that team needs to light up the way I do when I talk about it. I feel like like I was there's all these headlines coming out about people who give have given halftime speeches or post-game speeches mm-hmm. to reinvigorate their teams when energy is lost. Somebody has to be that within this Auburn program. I just am not seeing the spark on either side. And my thing is, is everybody checked in right now? Like there's so much going on. You have to opt out, the opt in. And I said this at the beginning of the season. If you choose to opt in and play, you need to be all the way in. And right now we're sitting at a five and three record and you're playing Texas A&M this week. But it just makes me question is everybody fully checked in to the season like at this moment right now? Yeah. Because I just didn't feel like I, I saw that this past weekend. And like players have got to stand up. Like I don't know what's going on. It just don't seem like it's a cohesive altogether group right now. Did you have an experience like that as a player where you kind of get down and, and somebody steps up and kind of gets everybody back in line? Did you have an experience oh, like yeah. that? Yeah, all the time. Just like uh, we played Alabama my senior year. We have never been behind the whole season mm-hmm. except for the, the LSU game we came back and won. Um, and not one coach said anything at halftime. Oh, wow. Like anything, Alabama was playing lights out, giving us their best shot. And we had a couple of miscues and our seniors got up and addressed the team. And when I tell you we came back out, we did not punt. 
our defense shut them down. They we nice. done given up a late touchdown pass. That was some fluke stuff at the end because the game is pretty much over. Mm-hmm. But we took it amongst ourselves. Like even in the Tennessee game, we had to play them the second time in the SEC championship. We were up 21 to 7. They came back, tied the game up 21-21. And our bats was like they had all the momentum. Mm-hmm. And our players and seniors on the sideline, Ronnie Carnell, myself, uh, Courtney Taylor, and other guys was talking to each other and saying, hey, guys, we got to step up and stop the flood right now. Like, yeah. it's on us. And we went back out there and we went down the field and we scored a touchdown to being a uh, Devin Roma should do. That changed the game. And then we ended up stopping them on defense and we got the ball back. We scored again. So yeah. it's momentum change. When the flood is happening, you got the uniform on. You got to communicate and say, hey, we got to try to do something to step up and make a play. And like I said, right. Alabama's a tough team. They've been whooping everybody, but it's just the way it looked. Like, Auburn, we're not everybody. Like, we yeah. are a top-tier football program. Like, so I don't want us to – we're not South Carolina. We're not Kentucky. We're not Tennessee, right? Like, no, we're a top-tier college football program, so I expect – Patients are way better and higher than those schools we just named. So, yes, we at Alabama expect us to compete against them a lot harder. And they expect us to have it a closer game. Just like you said, we went to LSU last year and gained respect. We could have gained a lot more respect by going into Alabama, even if we didn't win and we showed up and played with a lot of heart and fight. Oh, it changes the game. It also changes the game in recruiting. Like, you can't have kids on campus this year as recruiting. So guess what? They're watching everything you do on Saturday on game. So how you Mm -hmm. play, these kids are coming out as a senior, they're going to either want to be a part of it because they see your hard fight in a victory. They see your hard fight in a loss. And they say, I like that. Whatever they got going, I want to be a part of that. But if they see you go out there and lay an egg, then they start second guessing like, hmm, you know, like, what's going on there? Yeah. You know, so so you're recruiting as well about what you're doing on the field right now. And other guys that's coming back next season or whatever, like they need to like pick it up and say, look, we need to finish the season strong. Like it's very important that you finish the season strong because I say this every year. If you finish the season strong and end up winning your bowl game, you have momentum going into the spring. But every time we lose our bowl game, we almost pretty much struggle the next season starting off. Mm, that's a good point. Very good point. I want to get your input on what the heck was happening with the offensive side of the ball this week. I mean, of course, the Alabama defense, you're going to give credit to them, especially in the progress they've made throughout the season. If you go back early in the season, we talked about it last week, Ole Miss kept them, you know, down to the wire. It was a back and forth offensive game. So if there was a weak spot for Alabama at the beginning of the season, it was their defense. And that's not really the narrative anymore. They've given up less than 4.5 yards per play in each of their last three games. And they've had 26 tackles for loss over the last five games. So definitely a defense that has tightened up. But Auburn, once again, struggles to get going offensively, even though this season seemed like we had everything we needed. There was a big drop by Seth Williams that you just felt deflated everybody Mm -hmm. right before halftime. And then four plays later, Bo Nix throws an interception. And I just felt like from there, part of me was like, oh, thank goodness they have halftime to kind of shake that off. But that was really like the version of the team you saw the rest of the game. What happened in that like series of unfortunate events kind of set the tone for the second half, unfortunately. Um, Bo was 23 of 38 for 227 yards, he had two interceptions, and no one on this Auburn offense gained more than 60 yards 
on the day. And look, we've seen some offensive momentum and continuity in the last few games. They finally started using Bo in the run other than just, you know, his decision to escape the pocket way before he should. There's been more over the middle passing, but it felt like all of that kind of went out the window. Alabama was able to get some pressure with four. So we kind of saw Bo revert back to his habits of just getting out of the pocket in a panic and putting us in worse situations. And of course there were struggles in the run game. Tank Bigsby not at a hundred percent. DJ Williams left with an ankle injury. So there were a lot of factors to add into it, but it, it just didn't seem like any of the progress that's been gained offensively this season was implemented this week. And I certainly think this was the week to kind of pull out all the stops and and get creative in your offensive approach, knowing the defensive powerhouse that you're now going to be facing. So what did you see on the offensive side of the ball that you think maybe, you know, posed more problems or, or, Do you just think it all goes back to kind of the attitude and the fight that this team didn't have? Yeah, I still, it it starts with me. Everything starts with attitude. Everything starts with um, your mindset, like Mm -hmm. how you walk into ball games, like mentally you can defeat yourself before you get to a game. If you think about the things that, Oh, we have an injury here. We have an injury there. Um, you know, I hope the next guy can do this. I hope the next, like, no, you got to play with a mindset of no matter what, I'm giving it my best fight. Mm-hmm. If we lose, we going down swinging. If we win, awesome, great. But I just feel like you can tell the tank wasn't definitely not um, 100%. I yeah. can tell when he first touched the ball early in the game, uh, certain cuts that he, he would have made weeks before. Uh, he was a little hesitant on doing those, and you can tell that that back. And anytime you have a back injury, it kind of messes up everything else because yeah. those fast, quick, quick uh, moves that you try to make, it just ain't the same no more. You know, so you know it's just unfortunate that he wasn't able to, you know, to be at his hundred percent. But you know, he he gave effort. He tried to be yeah. out there. You know, he tried yeah. to be out there. But then sometimes, you know, we just have to look at it from a coach and just say, hey, you know, he's trying, but. Let's go with Showers and DJ. You know, mm-hmm. let's see what these two guys got because we we do have two capable backs that are that are really good uh, behind him that can still perform at a high level. And uh, and, and I just think from an offensive standpoint, it was twenty one to three, almost going to the half. And then you know, Coach Morris dials up a great great play, same play, pretty much uh, same route almost as as Smith ran the Alabama scored off of and. Mm-hmm. Seth ran a great route. He did everything right except for catch the ball. And, yep. you know, if he catch that ball, it's a momentum swinger. It's a huge momentum swinger. Now you're talking about 21 to 10 at the half instead of 21, um, was it three or six it was. But yeah. you're talking about a 21 to 10 game. You're down 11, so you're still within striking distance. And it changes the whole platform of your halftime speech. It changes your whole momentum of how you feel. And it puts a little bit of extra pressure on Alabama because they're, mm-hmm. they haven't been this close all year. And all of a sudden it's 21 to 10 and a half. He catches that ball. And now you're talking about Bo's got momentum. He's feeling great because he just threw a touchdown over top of a top defense. Um, Seth is now feeling great. Your whole offense is feeling great. Now your defense like, okay, we got offense got a tub. Now let's go. Let's go. Right. But when you drop that ball and then everyone looks around, they're just like, you just feel deflated. Yeah. And and if you don't have that type of leadership around the team that rally the guys and get them all back upbeat, 
it's tough. I've seen it happen in the NFL before. So it happens at every level. When you have those opportunities in big games to bridge the gap and you just have that deflating, that deflating play, like if he makes that catch, I guarantee you this is a lot closer ball game because yeah. we can see it. We're in striking distance. But, um, you know, we're not going to beat a horse down. Like I said, I still love our, our, our school, our team. I just want to see a little bit more effort from the guys, a little bit more fight in these big games against quality opponents. Not the ones that we're supposed to beat and not the ones that we're expected to beat, but the ones that sometimes people don't give you a chance. Like, yep. that's when that's when you want to see, like, where's our heart and where's our fight at. I completely agree with you. I think – this Alabama defense did a great job. You know, every defense says going into a game, you got to make your opponent one-dimensional. And they did that. They took our run game away. Even if our backs were completely healthy, I mean, you've got a, a defensive front in Alabama that's a freaking tsunami coming at you. And they've got speed on the perimeter. So even if you get to the edge, it doesn't really help all that much. So they mm-hmm. shut down the run game and were really able to exploit our weakness, which I still think is Bo Nix in his passing game. I just don't think whether it's, you know, chemistry with the wide receivers or being able to commit to the pocket, step up into the pocket, like the pass game still is not clicking. And so they were able to force our hand in that regard. And obviously we weren't able to get downfield in order to get more than freaking 13 points. So it worked. Um, and this is my question for you. And it's, it's a tough one, but there's a balance as a coach, right. Of mm-hmm. committing to your guy, you know, letting them know, don't, don't worry about this weekend and week out thinking you're having to prove yourself. You focus on your game because you have the reins. If this is a tough week, it's still your team. Like you just focus on you and the need to commit to a guy and give them the confidence that comes from that. Mm-hmm. But also being able to say something's not working and we got to go back to the drawing board and something may need to change. At what point do you try another quarterback? Well, it goes like this. Um, for example, Carson Wentz right now. Mm-hmm. It, is, it has come out and been said this week, uh, it may have been earlier today, that he is kind of upset that Philly drafted Jalen Hurts early in the second round. And I'm just like, okay, Carson, uh, you play the quarterback position. If you're afraid of competition, then you're, doing, you're, you're playing the wrong, the wrong sport. I said, because if you look at Aaron Rodgers, they drafted Love in the first round. Yeah. And he took it the other way. So he said, hey, if that's what you wanted to do, I'm upset because you didn't get me another receiver because that's what we need. But if you don't draft another quarterback, okay, he's just going to have to sit until either I retire or y'all going to have to make a decision. And I'm going to make it as hard as possible for you to make that decision because I'm going to show up. And he showed up and done it the opposite way. He's taking it as let it light a little fire under me, a little spark under me. And Carson Wentz is kind of taking it the other way. Hmm. And so when I think about Auburn as a recruit, I was a, like I said, number two quarterback in the nation coming out of high school. Um, when I was at Auburn, Brandon Cox was the, the state player of the year in Alabama. Hmm. And Auburn signed him. <laughs> it was that big time quarterback. Auburn signed him. So guess what? It made me be uncomfortable to just relax and be like, oh, I got all this. No. 
first of all, it didn't have anything to do with cops because I feel like I had a lot more to prove to myself and to my teammates. And what I signed to come to Auburn to do is what my was where my determination was. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you went and draft got another high quality quarterback, y'all guess what? You're recruiting against everybody else. So why would you want Cox to go to Alabama? Why would you want yeah. Cox to go to Tennessee? It's going to turn around and play against you. So if mm-hmm. he come to Auburn, if he has to sit for two years, and then all of a sudden he becomes a starter when I leave, or you also bring him there, and I'm looking at it like, oh, shoot, if I want to keep my job, don't get hurt or something. Because if he yeah. goes out there and have one good game, then everybody be like, oh, what about this kid? What about that kid? So you know what? it makes you step up a little bit. So I wouldn't be opposed, you know what I'm saying? It's, I know Auburn hadn't signed any high-profile quarterbacks besides Bo within the last two years. Uh, Gatewood was a four-star, but he mm-hmm. ended up, you know, leaving. And we had a couple other four-star guys that ended up leaving uh, that was in that 2018 class. Um, so if you go out and get another high-profile quarterback, and if I'm Gus – Yes, I'm telling a high-profile quarterback, we want you to come to Auburn. And I'm telling Bo, like, Bo, you're our guy, but guess what? I still need you to step up. I still need you to compete, and I need you to make plays. Like, competition brings out the best in people. It does. And I just don't feel like we've created any competition. Like, honestly, I feel like because Bo came as a high-profile player, state player in, in Alabama, his dad played at Auburn. I feel like the red carpet just rolled out right then I and there. I completely agree. And I feel like we kind of hurt him a little bit as Auburn by doing that. Yep. I feel like you should have made him come in, and I would have liked to seen us have him and Gatewood compete in the first couple of games of the regular season because we didn't see enough of Gatewood but just the bowl game of the year before. I was just like, and we said it's going to give an open competition. So I feel like had they let both of those guys play within the first three to four games of last season and not let him just feel like, okay, they rolled out the red carpet for him, I think it would have done a lot more for him maturity-wise as a quarterback and as a competitor on the football field. Like, does the kid has heart and fight? Yes, he has heart and fight, but there's a difference between earning something and then sometimes feeling like someone just put that that five star meal right in front of you, yeah. You know, and that you've got it. it without question if it's going to go away. I think he's right. too comfortable. I really do. And I I think that when you look at seasons past, quarterback management and development has not been a success story for Gus Malzahn. It really hasn't. I mean, just like I, I think Joey Gatewood was managed poorly, and so we lost him to another SEC team. And I think. His body and stature and and run ability certainly could have been beneficial. And even a guy like Malik Willis, who people kind of forget about, but he entered the transfer portal, ended up at Liberty, and they're having a phenomenal season. They beat Virginia Tech. Like, I I understand playing at Liberty is a different competition pool than playing in the SEC, but if you go watch this kid's film, this is a very, very strong dual-threat quarterback with great run ability. Kind of reminds me of a Nick Marshall type. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that – you just say, oh, all bets are off because we've got, you know, Patrick Nix's son and, and he's going to do it for us. I think you've, you've got to give other, other athletes an opportunity, and I don't think that that has been the case. If we sign a four-star, five-star quarterback this year, okay, like that, that lights a little bit up under you and say, okay, you know what, let me, like, 
I don't question his work ethic. I don't question his heart and desire. But like you say, though, it's like sometimes it makes you focus a little bit more mm-hmm. instead of being like, I'm too comfortable because who else are you going to put in? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So that's a difference. When as a quarterback, you sitting there, you like, okay, who else are you going to put in? You know, it, it changes the game. But then you sit there and you be like, okay, dang, they just signed this four-star, five-star kid. And you say, oh, yeah, they could put him in. If he throws four, five, ten good passes, then, you know, everybody going to say uproar. It's a quarterback controversy. So yeah. it makes you be like, okay, I get out of my comfort zone so that I can become a better player and, and everything. Because that's the thing. Like, you just – you have to create – that's why Alabama – is really good because they create competition at every level. When Tua was there, I mean, Jalen Hurts were there, they had Tua. Yeah. So if Jalen Hurts wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, it, then Tua goes in. If Tua was hurt or was struggling against the Georgia game in the SEC, guess what? They put Hurts in. He helped get That's the thing. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I think that I think that Gus has PTSD from the quarterback carousel that happened in the season opener against Clemson several years ago, and they played three quarterbacks. It was Jarrett Stidham's first year, and everyone, like, came for him saying this was the dumbest decision, and it was for that particular situation. But it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Alabama pulled Jalen Hurts when he was having a bad game to put Tua in. I think Gus only pulls a quarterback if he's injured. That Mm -hmm. shouldn't be the case. Like, against – who was it last year when – everyone was mad that Gatewood wasn't utilized. Was it LSU? I can't remember. Yeah, LSU game on the road. Yeah, it wasn't that – you didn't need to pull Bo only because of injury or it didn't show lack of confidence or or lack of commitment to Bo as your starting quarterback. But, like, this isn't working. Let's try this instead because this very well could put the defense on their toes, which is something we never do. So I think that – this coaching staff can't be so fearful of change affecting the confidence of their players because at this point, the losses are probably affecting the confidence of the players. And you just made a great point. Like the point that you just made as fans that are listening and uh, and everything, like she just made a great point because when you said the LSU game last year and mm-hmm. opportunity for Gatewood to go in the game, that would have been a great opportunity for Gatewood to go in the game, not just because – okay, Auburn was just struggling a little bit, but because it's still supposed to have been a quarterback competition to earn the starting job. Exactly. And so if you didn't pull him when he was having his worst game at a time, and even in the Florida game, in Florida, and when he was having a rough game in Florida, Uh this is his first game. If you didn't pull him then, and he was having his worst game, and yet he hasn't earned the starting job per se yet, then he looks at that as a young kid and as a quarterback and say to himself, like, darn, if they didn't pull me against Florida or LSU last season, they never will. Exactly. And that's the whole thing because that was the opportunity to pull him and just let him stand on the sideline for a little bit. And he probably would have learned something like, you know, he would have learned. I was pulled before Daniel Cobb went in. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Daniel Cobb was pulled. I went in. So, and when I went back in, I didn't ever give the job back up because I sat on that sideline and I saw for two games, like, it's not fun sitting over here. But then I saw also, like, from a different level, like, I saw things that I could do better that I wasn't doing because I was always actively in the play. 
But now I got a chance to look at the film and look at it at a deeper level on the side. And it gave me a little chance to calm myself down. And then when I went back, I didn't, I didn't I, from my sophomore year on when I started that game in Florida, I mean, went in against Florida, I never, um, never looked back. And that's the whole thing. Like, I guess they feel like, oh, had we pulled him in the Florida LSU game, it's going to tank his confidence. No, it's not going to tank his confidence. Guys, nope. if you've been used to winning in high school and he's a high-profile quarterback coming out of high school, an athlete, it's not going to tank his confidence. If anything, it's going to make it go the other way. It's going to make him be – it's going to make him work a little harder and study a little harder or just or just see things. Sometimes you just need a deep breath. Just see things from a different angle, and then when you get back out there, you do things a little bit differently. And it's not to say, oh, this guy's not good enough. He's not getting it done. No, it's to make your kids strong-minded mentally to know that, like, hey, I'm one play away from losing my job. So guess what? I want to stay on top of what I do because my, my success helps the team's success. We want to get back to that kind of football for sure. Hopefully they start this week. We will be hosting Texas A&M and early kickoff, unfortunately for mm. you, JK, I'm heading down mm. to the radio studio, 11 a.m. Have fun with that one. But this Texas A&M team has momentum on their side. They've got a lot they feel they're playing for just on the outside of the playoffs. So they feel like they've got to make a run here at the end, and that will take them through Auburn. They're currently on a five-game winning streak. Their only loss this season has come from Alabama. Definitely keep an eye on Isaiah Spiller. They're running back. He is a very powerful runner. He's great between the tackles, but they'll also put him out in slot. He's just a, a great all-around athlete. Expect him to have a big day. And Kellen Mond has kind of had an up-and-down season. You know, honestly, I think he had the formula going into this season uh, to kind of have an upper hand. He was one of the most veteran guys returning in the SEC. He had minimal turnover as far as uh, personnel departure or coaching changes or system adjustments. He kind of had it all that he had last year other than his top receiver who opted out at the beginning of the season due to COVID. Um, last, last week, he kind of had a rough game. He went 11 of 34 for just 105 yards, which could go one of two ways. Either, oh, good, maybe this guy's struggling <laughs> – or it could be he had a really bad game and this is going to be his redemption. So Auburn defense is really going to have to keep an eye on those two in particular. Their defense is ranked 26th in the country. So it's going to be another opportunity for Bo Nix. And hopefully this run game, I think uh, Mark Anthony Richards is going to be our back that likely gets majority of the reps. There's no word on Tank or DJ for this week. So we'll keep an eye on how that run game is able to shape up. But assuming we'll utilize Schwartz more creatively, Seth, with that deep threat, they're going to have to pull out all the stops because this Texas A&M team is on the cusp of the big season and, and they don't want Auburn to stop that momentum. So as you come off a, a really kind of demoralizing loss and, and you've kind of got a bit of an emotional hangover, some of you out there might have a literal hangover, how <laughs> do you regroup and head into a home game against a steadily improving Texas A&M team with the exception of some inconsistency from Kellen Mond, but a program that really wants to hear their name called within that top 10 at the end of the season. What does this Auburn team need to do to bounce back? Well, first to our opponent, uh, I say this, um, Jimbo understands that this is, this is his opportunity. Uh, this has probably been his best chance, the best team he's had since he's been there. Yep. Uh, with an opportunity to make a statement. And Auburn has kind of owned them, really. They've beat them in their place 
and we beat them at our place, you know, so they've struggled against us before. And, uh, you know, we've kind of had their number. So, you know, them coming in here, we have to expect, like, defensively, these guys are stout. Like, they're pretty much right up there with Alabama's fourth defense. You know, I watched their front seven last week. They can get after the quarterback. They can stop the run. Uh, they're very active. Uh, offensively is where their struggles are. Like you say, I think Kellen Munn is like, you don't know. One day he's, he's kind of like Fitzpatrick. You know, some days he got the magic. Some days he don't. Yeah. And you don't know what he's going to have come Saturday morning. And, you know, from a standpoint of, okay, they see that they're not in the top four right now and a team that only played four games is in front of them, you best believe they're going to try to come in here and make a statement and make themselves have an opportunity. Because this may be their only chance to jump into the top four because we may be the toughest opponent left on their schedule. Mm -hmm. So, and it's in our place. And we play really well at home. So, if they're going to make a statement, Auburn's going to get their best shot this week. And now how we answer that is we got to come in this game like we need Pissed to let – Right. We got to come out there and play with an <laughs> attitude. Play with an attitude. Like yeah. let your attitude be be shown. Like show like you upset that you got beat as bad as you did this past weekend. Right. And that you're better than that. That's not who you are. And, and, and you can do that by coming out and defeating the number five team in the country and, and, and making a statement. And yeah. and turning the turning it, you know, win this game, and then win the Mississippi State game, and then win your bowl game, and then yep. you go into next season with a little bit more of momentum and more confidence. And then guess what? Recruiters gonna see that, and they are gonna say, "Hey, I want to go to Auburn." Yeah, you know, because if we go out there and we play flat this week, and we doesn't do what we got to do, it's not gonna be a cakewalk at Mississippi State. And then they just don't know who you are gonna play in a bowl game. It's just like. Kids base decisions off of uh, right now. We get a lot of recruits because we can get them on campus. They get a chance mm -hmm. to get on campus. We're a very family oriented program, and kids feel that. They families, they parents feel that. And when we get these kids on campus, that's why we can get the Derrick Browns from UGA. You know, we can get the Ronnie Browns and stuff that come from other states. You know, I come from Mississippi, like because I feel that family oriented program. Mm -hmm. Now we're doing it from afar. Now they have to see that family-oriented program from afar. And it's a lot tougher to do than not being in person, uh, than being in person because now they're watching so much about what you do on the field more so than what you're telling us on the phone. Yeah. So this is critical. It is very critical. Uh, it's critical for early signing period. You have got to defeat a team like Texas and m if we want to try to reverse some of these big recruits that's got us and LSU and Bama and Georgia in the midst. Absolutely. It is imperative. But I know you're not going to get off this set without covering the first woman to kick in a oh. college game at the game you cover and had the honors of being able to talk woman to woman and ask the I question. Know. Your women fans out here <laughs> want to hear the experience and what was it like? Okay. I'm, I'm very glad you brought that up and I'd love to talk about it. It was epic. I mean, I've had some really special assignments thus far in my career and this one certainly ranks up at the top. It, uh, for anyone who doesn't know what he's talking about, if you, I don't know, live under a rock or something, uh, the Missouri Vanderbilt game this past weekend, uh, Vanderbilt actually had to turn to their women's soccer team because of issues that they're having with COVID-19, specifically in their special teams unit. They did not have a kicker that they felt good about. So 
Derek Mason, who, you know, is no longer the head coach at Vanderbilt, but at last weekend he was, um, he turned to his good friend, Darren Ambrose, who's the head coach of the women's soccer team at Vanderbilt. They had just won the SEC tournament the weekend prior. And so he reached out in need of a kicker and they suggested their goalkeeper, Sarah Fuller. So she went and worked out with the team and, and went to practice and worked with the snapper and holder and Derek gave her the okay and, and felt good about her. And once they got approval from the NCAA, she became the first ever female to play in a power five football game. And uh, she unfortunately was not able to attempt a field goal because I don't know, Vanderbilt's offense decided to sleep during the game. And so they never drove close enough to get in the field goal range, but they did let her uh, go out after halftime and do the kickoff to start the second half. So she did get to take the field and officially play. And she, uh, kind of made history, not kind of, she, she made history. And it was a complete honor to be the one on the sideline to cover it. Obviously, if you know SEC football, a Missouri-Vanderbilt game isn't the most riveting matchup. <laughs> so, and it was a result that matched the, the matchup that you would anticipate. Vanderbilt got shut out, I think, 41-0. to zero. So, not an intriguing game, but the storyline was really why so many tuned in. And, and it was awesome to feel like we were able to do it justice. I had the opportunity to speak with Sarah's parents and her head coach and her best friend and, and kind of get a sense of who she is and... I mean, the girl's just a competitor. She honestly did not do it for the notoriety. She had no anticipation that it was going to blow up the way it did. I mean, it became a media frenzy. She got Good Morning America and the Today Show and the Weather Channel calling to do interviews with her. And she said, I just knew that my skill set matched this job description and their program needed help. I mean, it was nothing more than just an opportunity to go compete and help this Vanderbilt program. So I have so much respect for her, obviously. A new path was paved, and I will forever be honored that I was the one who got to conduct that interview and uh, give her the opportunity to use the platform for something so special. Well, there's the fun facts for all the fans that wanted to know, but I could not let her leave the show without telling us about that experience. You're the best. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Make sure you subscribe, give us a like, reach out to us, let us know what kind of topics you want us to cover, any guests you want us to have on. We're going to get back to having guests here shortly. Make sure you're following along, tell your friends, and we will talk very soon. As always, War Eagle. War Eagle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.